Welcome to Therapists Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real-life matters. Welcome back to Therapists Uncensored. This is episode 19, and we are going to continue our discussion on the polyvagal theory, which in short is a discussion about how our bodies can sometimes get the best of us when we feel extremely upset or threatened. Now, this is a continuation for episode 18, but no worries if you haven't had time to hear that episode. It's, this one's designed to stand alone and is focusing on more of the practical aspects of the theory. But as you listen, if you find yourself interested in wanting to know more, go back to episode 18 and uh, listen from there. Right. So super fast summary. The most important things from the episode before was the, again, this is Stephen Porges and the title of the book the polyvagal theory. <laughs> right. We'll and just leave it there. Yeah. Of course, it's going to be in our show notes. There's also a clinical applications book that's really awesome. That's a more recent one. But the gist of it is, and the thing that we're going to be really digging into this episode is the safety system, um, which is the vagus nerve, um, the ventral vagal nerve, and, which is the social engagement system. And what we called it last time was the green zone, <laughs> just to make it really easy. It's what it's where we want to live. It's what, where we want to hang out. And it's when we are disarmed. And it's when we're feeling safe and engaged. And and, and I think the most important part of the, the theory is that being in the green zone activates us and allows us to have social engagement. And social engagement is necessary for our survival. It's not just, okay, we're in our fight and flight mode and that's the only thing about survival. The green zone is a really important part of our life because we need to be there to be able to socially engage with people and to create safety. And it's a really important part of our world and all of our relationships. But also, you know, research shows that isolation is actually more detrimental to us than smoking, that our engagement is part of our health and our vitality. Right. I would even say that that it's not just that it allows us to be engaged, but that the engagement itself is... Is essential. Is, the, is what allows us to then feel safe. So um, it is the social engagement that when we feel mildly threatened, we use our social engagement system to then calm down. Right. And also to interact with maybe if the threat is a person or an animal, to interact with them and see, hey, is this really a threat? And, you know, either by smiling or, uh, you know, making eye contact with someone, we try and test them out before we move closer. And if we get, you know, all warm and fuzzies, we might move a lot closer. But if what we get is sort of a, you know, hostile response or something that we view as hostile, because remember, safety is relative. What we see as safe and unsafe is different from what another person sees. So if I check somebody out and they don't smile at me, I might think they're unsafe where they're just, you know, preoccupied or something. Right. I'm imagining a listener just tuning in going, what are you guys talking about? Easily. Um, <laughs> so uh, just half a step back, you know, in reality, like day to day, um, you know, you just think about your family or friends or coworkers. And this stuff is so subtle, but it's going on all the time. And it's running in the background. And it's a, there's a term called neuroception that Dr. Porges came up with. And it is this, think of it like a little stock ticker <laughs> that's always going. And it's like, 
this is going well. <laughs> this their stock is up. They're kind of con- what you mean is that it's kind of constant assessment. And we're sort of hyper. We're constantly assessing. But it's on outside some level. of our awareness, and we mm-hmm. don't know it. So that the child who's playing freely isn't thinking, "I feel safe today," or "I feel safe in this moment." And the child who is kind of sucking their thumb and, and hanging on to mom's skirt and looking down and kind of looking through their hair up at someone isn't thinking, "I don't feel very safe right now." Right. It's just that's that's what their body is doing. And so as you're saying, like as you check someone out and blah, 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 you're not thinking I'm checking someone out. But so what we're this is why I think it sounds weird is because we don't think like this. Right. This is all an automatic kind of uh process unless we bring it into consciousness and say, hey, how do we leverage this? That's right. So we're decoding what our body is doing automatically outside of our awareness. And we're we're putting words to it. And we're putting the science. And this is hard science. This isn't like somebody's good ideas. This is that there's three systems. This is is a quick review that there's three systems, a whole system related to safety. And when you say whole system, you mean a whole neurological neurological system. That's right. There's a neurological system that think, again, think of like a string of lights. There's, you know, that lights up a circuit that lights up related to safety that knows what to do. That's what I was saying. Like the child who's playing, their face looks different. Their perception of the world is different. Their gut feels different. Their heart feels different. They behave differently. I love your your use of a string of lights. There's a string of lights in your body that when you're in this green zone, allows you to have an open face, allows you to feel... And it's not thought. It's not thought. It just allows you. Your whole system is set up to receive and to give. And and that that affects the person that you're interacting with, string of lights inside their mind, that isn't a thought that is so so it's the neural wi-fi that we kind of we've talked about and then the second system is else it's the sympathetic system where that it's fight flight the one we're more familiar with that we're more familiar with that is when we feel a little bit of danger and we know what to do with that as a saber-toothed tiger we're going to either fight it or run away um and that has its own system where that you know our pupils dilate all that we we're familiar with that and then the third is the parasympathetic where we when we're in real threat or we perceive real threat and we drop all the way down and that has its own physiological thing our heart rate slows down it can actually be quite dangerous right and and it is part of the parasympathetic system but so is the ventral vagal so i want to make the distinction between the dorsal vagal right So, but today, so that's the quick summary. And we want to do that even if you've heard the other podcast, because we want to repeat this so that you really get it. It's interesting. I think it's really interesting. Um, That's because we're nerds. (laughs) We are. But I'll tell you when I first started. We're neuro nerds. We're neuro nerds. And you are, and you are too. If you're sitting here listening to us right now, you are officially a neuro nerd too. Um, But when I first started hearing about this, I like, so, okay, I heard about the amygdala. I totally got it. It shoots out all this cortisol. You feel threat. You're ready to fight or flee, you know, totally get it. But what I, my first question that took me years to answer, and this is what this whole podcast is about, is like, my amygdala fires all the time. (laughs) So I get that, but how do you turn the dang thing off? How do you calm your butt down 
when it's all fired up. Especially when you know, sometimes you intellectually, your cortex tells you intellectually, this is not a threat, but it doesn't matter. Your body's responding. So in every seminar and every study group and everything I've ever been on studying this stuff, with Dan Siegel's advanced study group, I went to LA and I studied with Dan. I raised my hand. How do you turn the thing off? <laughs> Help me understand this. So here is this more, you know, as far as we've gotten, which is that it has to do with the ventral vagal. It's the 10th cranial nerve. We love the 10th cranial nerve. It gives us GABA, which is a neurotransmitter that calms our little butt down. And uh, we want to go back to the green zone and the social engagement system. So we're going to be talking specifically about how to go from red, which is either fight flight or the dorsal vagal, which is the chilled out. The turtle. The turtle. And back to green, which is social engagement. This is all related to the 10th cranial nerve, uh, green zone, ventral vagal. Safety. So let's go. It's all safety. All right. So I'm upset. What do I do? Well, it depends, right? So if you're just a little... Oh, give me easy answers. Come on. Yeah. If you're a little (laughs) upset... Okay. You look over to me and say, Patty, I'm, I'm kind of concerned. Are we okay? And we make eye contact. You talk softly. I talk softly back to you. I make eye contact. That probably will work. But if she's a little activated, she's more likely going to look over and go, Patty, are we okay? And that's going to get my little system going. And at that point... I probably just got all the audience going a little bit right that's there. That's right. Well, and you know, they can't see us, but Sue's a redhead and so am I. So when she gets activated and when I get activated, it's quick and it's pretty uh, activated. I, I just say I'm Italian. <laughs> Italian redhead. You have the visual. <laughs> so if if you get to that point... You know, really, there's there, it's a it's a function of whether you're self-soothing or whether you are being soothed by a partner or trying to soothe a partner, right? Or a baby, or a, even a, you know, an animal can help soothe you. You know, we all cuddle with our dogs when we're feeling rough, you know, and that's actually a technique to engage your social engagement system. Absolutely. So if I'm alone, you know, if nobody's around and I am feeling unsafe or if there's people around that I don't know, because the other thing that moves us into out of the green zone is unfamiliar things, strangers, strange situations. So we want familiarity. That's what we crave. Um, That makes us feel safe. So if I'm in a party and I don't know anybody and people aren't very friendly, my little system's going off and I'm alone. So if I'm lucky, I can find a friendly face to go talk to or a friend walks in the door and I can go over and schmooze with them and that will calm my system down. Right. But all of these examples are that you start in the green zone and you stay in the green zone. In other words, it's... You realize that there's a sense of what you're saying is, I'll put it in lay language, you, you sense that there's a little bit of a danger. You feel your body a little charged. And so you're reaching out socially to Patty or you're reaching out to somebody because you're still in a social engagement place. And that's how you know you're still in the green zone right. because you're able to continue to make the eye contact and engage and reach out. So what we know is how you get when you're out of that zone is when you start to disconnect from social engagement. Right. I think how, how real people talk about it is like, I'm a little stressed or, I, you know, it made me a little nervous. So I was a little nervous and talked to somebody and right. felt, felt a little better. Right. I mean, okay. So that's, that's that. A little stressed. You're still in the green zone. You're reaching out. And what you're raising your hand is, when my amygdala is firing, I'm no longer in the green zone. Right, and right. When I, when I start flipping out, let's just use, you know, right? If I start flipping out, then what? Well, there's a couple things. 
right? I mean, it depends on, again, are you alone or are you with somebody? So if you're alone, move to a quiet place. Listen to so music. Curl up, <laughs> curl up with your puppy dog. You know, I mean, those are real things. You know, um, meditation helps, particularly loving kindness meditation because it sort of uh, stimulates compassion. And it moves you back to the social engagement system, even though the people you are wishing loving kindness to are either yourself or others, and they're not, they might not be physically there. But it's, again, about connection. If I'm with somebody who is flipping out, I use my tone of voice. I make sure there's not a lot of noise in the environment. I talk more slowly. I... What if they punch you? <laughs> You're feeling a desire to punch you right now. <laughs> All of a sudden, like as you started talking slower, I was like, "Oh my god!" Right? Like, just like, what if that doesn't? You know what I'm well, saying? Well, that actually is a good point because sometimes what we need to do, and we've talked about that in other podcasts, if somebody your engagement is totally activated and their body's activated, it actually can be almost a threat to go drop down. Sometimes you need to go up there with them and meet yes. them. Yes, yes, <laughs> meet them. Bring but them I mean, up. all this is good, right? Right? We've got to figure each other out, right? right. What, wait, because you might try the softer approach, but if you're if somebody you're meeting with is activated and they're stressed and they're like, oh my god, and you go, oh, it's fine, don't worry about it. You're you're gonna you're ready to hit them. Oh, it reminds me of like if if someone's in a paranoid place. If you're saying it's okay, that is the worst thing you can say to a paranoid person. Instead, exactly. Instead, right. what I would suggest if you're with somebody else and you're trying to bring someone down is you can also name it. You are really, really stressed. Something's really scaring you. Something's really hard on you Maybe right now. Maybe they are out there. Right. Let's close all the windows. Because let's, let's lock all the doors. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to calm somebody down. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but we can't always, we can't always assume that we're in the red zone or we're going turtle because there is no threat. I mean, sometimes that's a very functional aspect. There is a threat and it could be that who you're fighting with is too big and you can't get away and you can't get away or, or, and so there's this element of being able to, okay, like we need to, you're scared and obviously something, let's say it's you and I, you're, you're threatened. There's something going on. Obviously something I'm doing is making you feel threatened. And if you sometimes just identify that the threat could be there rather than tell somebody they're ridiculous for feeling it, I think it calms the system because what you're doing is you're bringing them into, you're in the green zone, hopefully. But one of the ways to help somebody is you're bringing them into a little bit of safety socialization. You're meeting them first. Yeah, I think that's the key. You got to meet them first. Otherwise, it might feel patronizing. Meet them first and then bring a ratchet down into the social engagement element. Exactly. And that's then when the calm voice comes in. Right. And and there's a difference to whether you're talking about an argument with someone Certainly. or whether you're talking about like, you know, an autistic child that's overstimulated. Right, mm-hmm. wouldn't Very good feel point. patronized right. no, if I used a, lo- right. a quiet voice with them. That's right, and so um, really good point. Yeah, so I think it really depends on the situation. Right. Or even it's, an adult that's having a, a temper tantrum or something, and and somebody's just able to just be like, "It's going to be okay," and you know, we're going to get through. You know, yeah. I, I can. I mean, there's part of this is that there's no right or wrong, um, but that the notion is we want to go from activation back to the green and that the green has to do with using our relationships and that, you know, we say this over and over on this podcast, but we heal through relationships. We grow through relationships. We um, thrive in relationships. We are social animals 
And we need relationships. We're not supposed to do this alone. That's and by exactly this, right. I mean life. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and Patty, your point about the autistic child is a beautiful one. And to, to extrapolate to um, any kind of relationship, when I say relationship, I'm not meaning romantic. I mean, any relationship you're in, you can get into high threat and high conflict. And you made a really good point. If It's also kind of your own awareness. Are you the aspect threatening this person? Exactly. Or is the world threatening? Because it's a different response. If you're the threat, then you're going to re- your awareness that you're the one part of the threatening system is really, really important. But if whoever you're engaged in is the world is the threat, then you're aligning with them. You're going to be a much safer person right. than you are than if you're actually the one that the person's feeling threatened by. Right. And I think, too, we need to also distinguish when you're in the turtle or the the yeah. dorsal vagal, you know, when you're shut down, dissociated, logic will not reach you. No. <laughs> so, right. So um, trying to reason with a person who is dissociated or shut down in turtle, it, their brain's offline. There's no way. So then you're going to have to use, whether it just means that maybe you leave them alone for a moment, or maybe you you know, help them move to a quieter environment or whatever is, is really going to be helpful for them. That's right. And, you know, like I'm thinking about particularly the, again, let's go back to the vagus nerve, cranial, 10th cranial nerve, uh, which is our gold standard. And this is what this is all about. We haven't mentioned the heart rate variability, uh, but that is part of like when an infant is born with low heart rate variability, that's what they're talking about is the vagus nerve. And this, there's measurable things you can do. Uh, there's apps and stuff where you can measure your heart rate variability, by the way. But can you describe what heart rate variability it is? It has to do with when you get, when you look at a heart rate, how it goes beep, beep. So basically it's like the variability between the beats. Right. And um, the stronger, what you want is... Higher vagal tone. Right. You want high vagal tone. And basically that means that you are like you're you're more resilient and your workouts can be stronger, you're you're more able to respond to stress, things like that. If you're very low vagal tone, you you're gonna have all kinds of problems. But there's thing and there's things you can do. So so this is some of what we're talking about, the things that Patty's are talking are talking about. But Again, think of the vagus nerve, which we talked about last time. It's they call it they call it the wandering nerve. It's also called the love nerve because when that is online and you have this high uh, heart rate variability and this high vagal tone, that's where compassion comes from. Oxytocin is associated with high vagal tone, and oxytocin, of course, is a neuropeptide that is related to compassion and empathy and bonding. And so there's th- there's specific things you can do to kind of strengthen your vagal tone. And one of those things has to do with breath so that um, it's not just meditation because sometimes meditation can, it can certainly calm you down. But if you like, say, if you do meditation right before you go to sleep, that just puts you to sleep. But if you do a specific meditations like Patty's talking about that are more a little bit more activating where you're thinking of other people or that you're calm, but you're alert, like that you're ready, that that, that actually increases vagal tone. But exhalation, the, the 478, the 478 um, breath work so that you inhale for four, you hold it for seven, and then you exhale for eight. So I'll say that again. You inhale for four, you hold it for seven, and then you exhale for eight. And Porges talks about this a lot. It's about the exhale that that activates the vagus nerve. Um, he talks about, you've mentioned humming, 
chanting, listening. Right. And in fact, the breath um, exercise you're talking about is a yoga exercise. And in fact, some yoga you thought it was so powerful that you shouldn't teach it to the public, that it had that kind of power. So when you're saying, uh, Sue, the, the, the part about the heart rate variability and you're saying you want vagal tone. Yes. For those that this language seems pretty new, can you can you kind of wrap that exact concept up in a way that if I didn't understand what a what a vagal nerve was, that it would have deep meaning for me? That part's not the important part. The important part is do these exercises and that will engage your capacity that will grow your green zone. That will grow that part of you. The the light the light that goes through your system, the trail of lights through your own system. Yes. That we want to keep on online. Um, online. If we think about it that way, we want to keep that part of us online. We want to do these activities so that that part of our nervous system stays the most sensitive, most aware, most online. That's right. So let me give you a couple of other examples. There's something about cold that turns on your vagus. So like there are people that do cold baths, but even a cold shower that it it strengthens your vagus nerve. Well, one of the things it does is it also releases opiates in your body. Um, so even a, a splash of cold water to your face is that's something to do to kind of move you towards the green zone. He talks about voice, listening, and breath. Domestic porges. Porges. That's that's her. Those are his three main things: voice, listening, and breath. So voice, and he talks a lot about chanting or humming. And this is you've mentioned these, Patty, and which is great. Um, we talked last time about lullabies, but even especially like if you're in a choir, so singing with other people is really beautiful, but just get in a car and crank it up. And I don't care if it's rap or Rudolph the Red right. <laughs> or um, whatever. And I don't care how you sing, but that's because that's not the point. The point is that you're using that, your voice box, and because that, that um, nerve Runs right runs through right the vocal cords. Through it. So by activating your vocal cords, you're actually activating that system. And that's what you're, you're wanting the listeners to hear. That's exactly By right. relaxing your face and being conscious, trying to take an unconscious process into the consciousness, and you relax your face, and then that in and of itself is going to activate that string of lights that is the green zone. Well, and when you think about singing, what are you doing? You're moving your face. So you're actually moving your cranial muscles that are innervated by the vagus nerve. You are breathing with people. Yes, that's true. You are activating the vocal cords. So you're doing all... You have to you're be in do, harmony. Yeah. You're basically doing a sort of triple whammy there, right? And you're having to hear people. Right. You're having to listen. That's true. And and when you listen, um, you actually tense up a muscle in the inner ear. And what happens is background noises are quieter and you can concentrate on voice. So again, the singing, you know, it's like you're really stimulating the whole package right there. That's awesome. I've um, thought of another way that we can feel and experience stress. And that is having to handle our practices as therapists and do billing. Let's take a minute to talk about how do we reduce that stress, Patty? Well, actually, it's funny you should ask because we have a brand new sponsor and our sponsor is Theranest and they provide 
practice management software. So to do billing, to do scheduling, it has a lot of applications and they have put together a special offer for our listeners. And so if you go to our website, you will see their ad and just click it and go through and see what the offer is and get to know a lot more about our new sponsor. Yeah, and it's a great offer. You should really check it out. And so for our clinician listeners out there, it'd be a wonderful way to reduce your own threat. So so the last thing is about listening, because um, I had said that there was three things, and we've already talked about breath, and it's related to the exhale, that you really want to focus on the exhale. And there's some meditations that really focus on the inhale, and that just does something different. It's still good, but it just does something different. And then we talked about the voice, and then which is funny, as we're talking about the voice, I'm sitting there saying, thinking, well, God, when you're turtling up, you don't want to talk. And so by talking, by using your voice, you're beginning to socially engage. So of course, a voice would probably help. But then the last one was listening. And there is something, as you said earlier, Patty, about that by listening, you're, you con- contract your eardrums and that it, and that's part of what stimulates the nerve. But again, I don't care if it's rap music. It doesn't matter what kind of music it is. Um, but there is something about the auditory system that if you think about music in particular, it changes your mood like nobody's business. And, you know, in our household, we have music going almost nonstop to do dishes, to uh, welcome people home, to make something fun for friends. So like actually tuning in and listening and also listening to someone Earlier, you talked about it, Patty, as someone's talking, like actually listening versus doing, you know, looking at your phone or doing something else, but putting things down and tuning in and paying attention and listening that that is actually for you. It's not just for the other person, that it is a way to, as you said, Anne, to um, innervate that vagus nerve, which is the green zone, which is the 10th cranial nerve, which is our gold standard, which is our law. Right. And there's, there's one other sensory trick that you can use to sort of move yourself back that we haven't mentioned, and that's smell. So if there's a smell that is very calming to you or familiar to you, you know, if you're a mom picking up your baby's blanket and smelling the smell of your baby is familiar, it's calming. If you've got a essential oil that really is special to you and you particularly enjoy, you know, so it's another way, you know, a lot of these things are very sensual. And so the ways we engage our senses is very important. And actually that reminds me of another two more real quick. Um, and this is good because what we're, we're packing full of things you can actually do and practical things. And this again is from Porges, but it's posture. And the reason for that is because this nerve goes all into your gut. And, and remember 80% of the whole point of the nerve is feeding up to the brain to tell you how you're doing. So if you're crunched over and you're collapsed, it's going to be telling your brain there's a problem. But if you can sit up straight and sort of strengthen, and that's even like uh, do Pilates, strengthen your core, because in doing that, you're going to be sending signals of wellness and well-being to your brain, and it's going to it's going to grow your green zone. So posture, strengthen your core, and then the last one, or the last one I'm going to mention at least, is there's things like like touching your neck. 
that, that again, we've talked about the vocal cords, but even if you were to hold the sides of your neck or put your hands over your heart, um, so I'm doing it right now, by the way, but and as you're listening, why don't you join me? But basically you put your hand and it doesn't matter if it's right over left or left over right, but just kind of notice which one you do. And it feels different if you do one over the other. One will feel better, but that is going to, again, it's going to engage that vagus nerve and it's going to tighten that up. This isn't woo-woo. This is actually hard science. And what we're doing is engaging the safety system of the three branches of the nervous system. And I'm, I'm summarizing some of what we're doing. And Patty's got something to add here. Right. And I'm sort of surprised I hadn't remembered this earlier because it was part of a previous podcast. But one of the things that we recommend for couples a lot is the... Um, a hug upon greeting each other. And what that does is really stimulates the nervous system to safety. And so what we recommend is that you hang on to your partner till you feel that little relaxation. And it's it's often referred to as the um, vagal relaxation, right? And so you're actually using what the science to calm each other down, to sort of reset your nervous systems. You know, if somebody's been out in traffic and somebody else has just had an argument with somebody and they come back, they have this few, you know, seconds of hugging and their bodies relax and they just reset their nervous system. So I want to make sure we add that. It's funny because that's actually how I remembered when I first learned this. Um, that, you know, there's ventral, vagal, and dorsal vagal, and the V of the hug is face-to-face. So uh, I always, every time I think of that, I think of that, the lover's hug or the baby on the mother and that ventral to ventral. Anything else, Anne? Yeah, we've been talking about a lot of wonderful things for individually what to do and what to do with your partner. And I guess thinking about couples work, which my brain always sort of wraps around, you mentioned that, oh, hey, think about it. When you're turtling up, you're shutting down. And I kind of wanted to come back to the turtle up for a minute because that is the unique part because a lot of these activities we're talking about are really good for either way, whether you're activated and gnarling your teeth or you're turtling up, they're both they're all really, really good. But I want to come back for a minute to just a special attention for the turtle up because that's the unique part of uh, of highlighting that when we go down and somebody seems down and averting their eye contact and they're shut down and they're coiled up, that when we remember that, we remember that they're very threatened. We mentioned that earlier, that it's not just voluntary. And it's really hard to remember that somebody averting eye contact and avoiding you and is not doing that in a punishing way. And I think that happens a lot where people feel punished by it. And one of the things that I you mentioned is that if you think about it evolutionarily, why we're doing that is that we're, we remember where our system is overwhelmed and we think we're trapped and we think that there's threat and no way of an escaping. And a lot of times couples feel that because they're in a repetitive thing that's happened over and over and over and over and over again in a relationship. And because of that, they feel like, oh my God, this is going to go nowhere. I'm overwhelmed. It's not just situational. Sometimes it's it's habitual. And so when someone's wrapped around the axle like that and hidden, it, what Porges talks about is trying to slowly not demand a social engagement. We're talking about trying to help people get to social engagement, but we can't demand it from them until they feel a little bit safer. You have to allow the activation to be safer. So if somebody's turtled off, one of the ways is you know that you're activated, and we mentioned calming your voice down and giving space 
But part of it is also to allow them to know that you can't say, give me eye contact now, look at me, shift your gears, and that that demand in and of itself intensifies the threat and sends them further away. And so some empathy about that and some, like what you mentioned with the music, I was thinking about this a lot when you were talking about the music, stepping away or having a soft tone, but also knowing that you're threatened and backing away is really, really, I think, essential to helping that person who's turtled up. Right. Like what I would say would be, there. I mean, I think every situation is different, but it would be something like each person has to figure out their own regulation, right? And so going away would probably also be threatening, but demanding something and being unaware of your own activation is also threatening. But if there's some version in between either person, either the person who's turtled up, being able to give something to help calm the uh, person and sympathetic to calm down, like it's like somebody there, there's a short bus, right? They're both on the short bus. Um, and so either that person taking care of the other of the person who's in fight flight or the fight flight person being able to almost, I mean, my vision of it is like, just sit down and be quiet and say, when you're ready, I'm going to calm myself down and um, I'm right here and I'm right here and, and I'm going to calm myself down and I love you. And I'm not going to talk if I'm upset and I know that, you're really scared and you're not doing this on purpose and you're doing the best you can or something like that. Yeah. That would be like golden. Yeah. And there, you know, I think there are versions of this that I often talk about with couples, which is if you have the bandwidth. Yes, exactly. You it's know, like and sometimes whoever, you won't who, have the bandwidth. Whoever's the least bad off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> sometimes you just don't have it. But if you have it, right. <laughs> Then it's a really good idea to to just acknowledge that, and I always say, own it yourself. Say you're dysregulated because exactly. if your partner's dysregulated, you, you are. I want to be pointing it out because if you're pointing out their dysregulation, that's not going to go. It's going to well. intensify it. So you know, it's sort of like if my partner's dysregulated, that's dysregulating to me. So own it. Say, hey, I'm dysregulated. Let's figure out a way you know, to postpone this discussion, we'll come back in a right, couple hours. Right, when right. We're... I'm not in a good place. Yeah. Well, I'm also, not. I think it's really important to acknowledge because oftentimes we're talking about the person turtled up and how do we help them, but it's oftentimes the partner who is experiencing the turtled upness feels like what's being insinuating is that, insinuated is that they're a threat. Right. And so it's like, wait a minute, you're telling me I'm a threat and you're the one not giving me eye contact and you've moved away and you've withdrawn and I'm somehow the threat? And so that that part will intensify the version of I'm not the threat, you, you know, so that so anybody being able to go, I feel like I love what you're saying, Sue, I feel really threatened because you're not having eye contact and I'm stirred up or the person who is like, I know this is hard for you that I'm not like, or any awareness, even when you come back to say that must have been hard for you. My standing over you and whacking you must have been really hard. <laughs> Yeah, my best example I can think of is I used to co-lead a group with someone and he he would say to me, I must be really doing a bad job because I, I can see that I'm, I'm causing you to be really defensive. <laughs> That's wonderful. I know. It would, and I think he would really mean it. Like, I, I'm sure he it was just masterful, but... Something I'm doing. I, I, something, he would say, something I'm doing is really... Something I'm doing is really making you feel attacked. <laughs> 
Beautiful. Love it. Oh, my God. And I would just burst out laughing. <laughs> I'm like, you are good. <laughs> Humor is always good. Yeah. yeah Humor yeah. is always good. Okay. So um, let's wrap. Are we anything else before we go? No, I think we've covered it. And thanks for listening. And be sure to also, there's going to be some of the things we've talked about that's going to be in our show notes. So I know that um, as, as well as Steve Borges' book, if you find yourself also being a neuro nerd, please feel free to tune into our, our show notes or um, look at some of our resources. So please subscribe and share this to other people that you think might be interested or that should be listening that aren't yet. And if you are listening and you like it, rate us and review us. All right. All right we'll see you around the bend. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly, Patty Allwell, and Sue Marriott. Cameron Lindsay edits the show. <laughs>